Good morning, friends. So lovely to see you this morning. Um, if you are visiting with us this morning, um, I'm preaching from a chair. Uh, this is not a cult. Uh, just want to explain something to you. Uh, we're still in James, and um, uh, I just want to use this illustration because I really think it's probably key. James is going to teach us this morning around um, the words that we use, but there's a key that he wants to teach us to transform our words, and I think it's actually a key that we need every day, and it's ongoing. And so, um, uh, Tash and I came almost a year ago to this beautiful town in this beautiful community called Common Ground Durbanville, which is also part of Common Ground in the Western Cape, and they celebrated 25 years. Um, and so we got invited to the party. Um, and uh, so we were sitting down there, and um, they, at the end of the party, or during the party, they, they called up um, all the leaders. And Tash and I were included. And then they gave the leaders a gift. Uh, and um, this was the gift. Uh, two. Two chairs. Uh, one for Tash, one for me, and a Stanley flask. Um, which, if you know flask, is, is a quality flask. Uh, so, what's, what's that got to do with James? Here's what it's got to do with James. Thank you. Um, they were celebrating 25 years, and um, all the stories of the beginning of people being saved, and then young leaders being planted out, and the battle stories, and the tears, and the joys, and the victory moments, and um, to say thank you, they gave all those pioneering leaders over 25 years a gift, two chairs and a flask which is beautiful, except Tash and I didn't do anything to deserve that. We came into the story right at the end, 25. We did nothing. In fact, we, we were surprised we were even on the stage. And we got the same gift at those people who had been in the trenches day in and day out, working for 25 years. And you might think, well, that's a little bit embarrassing, or that, you know, you didn't deserve it. And I thought, this is brilliant. I didn't feel in any way embarrassed. I thought, well, if you want to give me two chairs, I'm going to say thank you. <laughs> and here's the thing about the gospel, is that it's very similar. Like, you just don't do anything to deserve it. You are just kind of at the right place at the right time. And, and that's something of the, the great struggle that every single one of us really have, is to really believe that this gift of Jesus Christ and what he does for us and how he transforms us is really, really free. And our whole lives, we always try and earn it and try and perform and try and achieve and accomplish because we can't really believe that we are extravagantly, widely, infinitely, deeply loved by the Father through the Son. 
It's so hard for us to understand. It's so hard to receive. And we receive it for a day, and then we go back to our old ways. And James, really, the key around everything that he's teaching us, because he's teaching us how to live, he's really trying for you to understand. Would you understand the, this, the word is scandalous, the, the, the incredible depth and width and height of what, uh, of what Jesus has done for you? And there's, this morning's message is going to be a bit of a, an indicator or a litmus test on how you and I are doing in this understanding of the love that the Father has for you. And so uh, the text is James chapter 3, and the text will show us three things. Firstly, the text will show how powerful words are. Secondly, um, uh, it will show um, that our words reveal what's going on in our hearts. And thirdly, James wants to point us to the one who can heal our words. So I want you to read with me James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my brother, for you know we will be For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. They obey us. We guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, guided by a very small matter, wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and a tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, standing the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield water. So three things. Our words are more powerful than we ever imagined. Our words reveal what's really going on in our hearts. And then finally, can we look at someone who can heal our words? So when it comes to our words... This is not a small matter for James. It's not kind of a self-improvement program that he's saying, hey, if you could just speak a little bit more kindly, that would be nice. He's actually saying, um, this is a really significant matter. Your words have incredible power. And he uses three illustrations to show that. He uses the bit in a horse's mouth, and a bit is such a small little piece of steel but yet can control the magnificent strength and brute force of a horse. And then he uses a rudder. Um, and a rudder is 
uh, in this example, 2% of the entire kind of surface area of a ship, 2% controls the entire direction of that ship. And then the third example he uses is a spark, and you've seen the devastation in the Western Cape, and even now, how a little spark can cause mass devastation. And James is saying, uh, our words have the same power over people's lives and over our lives. The same multiplied effect. They're much more powerful than what we think. We speak them all the time. We say them all the time. And we don't recognize the incredible weight that they carry. Um, a bit, a rudder, and a spark are words that just to show the incredible power. So our words have power to heal and to destroy. Let's have a look at first the, they have the power to destroy or the power to cause great harm. Proverbs 18 verse 20 says, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it, its fruits. So the right tone of the Proverbs actually agrees with James. And if you look at Proverbs, it often talks about the tongue. And the, the writer of the prophet says that, that our words cause death and life. Our words carry both death and life. And we eat the fruits of our words. In other words, if we uh, say words that are harmful, we, we eat the fruits of that. We're going to get that back. Or if we say words that life, we eat the fruits of that. In other words, they have a significant consequence. It's a study by a lady called Maria Rickard. And she monitored a group of people, in other words, tied them up neurologically to see when negative words are spoken over them. What is the result of the brain and the effect on the brain and the effect of the body? And they discovered that negative words or harmful words affect us both mentally and physically. It has an, they produced uh, uh, the level of stress and anxiety actually increases. The hormones change by words that get spoken to us. And so the thing that you remember saying when someone says uh, something mean to you at school, uh, this was an English saying, I don't know if it translates into Afrikaans or to your language, but we used to say, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me, is simply not true. What is true is that words harm. And so um, from a young age, we learn to use words to hurt others if they hurt us. And so we, you can even see a four-year-old saying, um, you're not my friend anymore. Where does a four-year-old learn to say that? Or, you're not coming to my party. I saw some of you grimace at that. As we get older, we say stronger words, idiot, faggot, I hate you, words that cause harm. And Jesus has the same kind of understanding of, our, of, of the weight of our words, and he says, if, if you just call a person fool or idiot, it's the same as if you've murdered them. And so for Jesus and James, the brothers, they're both saying the same thing. 
They're saying, you can kill a person with your hands, but you can also kill a person with your words. And Jesus is not just speaking metaphorically, oh, by the way, watch your words. Actually, he's saying, this is really significant. Your words have the ability to destroy. And James is really strong. He, he, he says that the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. He says the tongue stains the whole body. In other words, one of the most destructive influences in a church, in any community, but in a church in particular, is when we use words to speak about one another in a judgmental, in a critical, in a cynical, or in a bitter way. It, he says it stains the whole body. Pope Francis says that gossip, the way that we speak about one another, is like witchcraft. We don't really recognize. We're just having a, you know, maybe a little bit unhappy. We just, they just casually just come out our mouths. And the scriptures are once again saying, boy, if you understood the weight of, the, of devastation that it can cause in a community, you perhaps would be more careful. James says, our tongues have the ability to set our entire life afire. He says, they're set on fire by hell. In other words, um, Satan can sometimes even have an influence on, um, uh, on our words. He says, our tongues are filled with restless evil and full of deadly poison. He's being pretty strong about our words. I'm sure you're thinking that's not me, that's the person next to me. The way that we speak about our government, our church, our children, our spouse, people at work, the words that we use to describe them have great power. And James says, by the way, if you want to be a teacher, if you want to stand up here or teach in any form or preach, you're going to be judged with a stricter judgment than everyone else. Well, that doesn't seem fair. We're just the same as everyone else. And James says, well, sorry for you. If you want to take responsibility for bringing powerful words, you need to make sure that your life matches those powerful words because words carry weight. That's why he says that you're going to be judged strictly. So our words have the power to do more damage than we really want to admit. Yeah? But also our words have the power to heal and to bring life. Proverbs 15 verse 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. When we use words that have the ability to bring wholeness and bring life. How many of you can remember a teacher or a coach or a parent just speaking um, words of life over you? And they actually impacted you. They, 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 they weren't just, oh, that was nice. They, they, they shaped you. I remember, uh, I think I was about 27 and I'd been an elder for a couple of weeks I was completely clueless on how to be an elder. And um, I got an email from a guy called Peter Howard Brown. He's a pastor, was a pastor at Somerset West. And in our movement, New Covenant, he was like second to God. He was just one of these heroes of the faith. He was a brilliant preacher. He had the most amazing sense of humor. And, um, you know, as a young guy, you idolize these guys. And he wrote me an email and he wrote, Dear Champion. And um, I got the email and I kind of like, you want to look behind you, who he's really writing to. Because you know, that's not you. But then you think, he thinks I'm a champion. And he extended an invitation to me and Tash to go to Madagascar. 
We said yes because he thinks we're a champion. <laughs> no, I don't think he's you know, just using flattery. And there, there are, um, uh, the words that get spoken of, over us have the ability to bring a tree of life. In other words, it produces wholeness and life. The gift of prophecy, God pro prophesying over your life, is, is, is really just, once again, words that impact us, words that bring life. Many of us have had words that's, that they're words of encouragement, and we respond to those words. They, they're a seed that, that, that get watered, and they, they produce change. I remember sitting, I think we were probably about 25 or 26, and uh, we were sitting at the back of the church, minding our own business, um, and uh, a, a guy, a visiting guy was preaching, and uh, he stopped preaching, and he pointed kind of in my direction and said, you, you need to get your life ready to serve God. So I looked behind me. So he said, don't look behind me, you're in the checkered shirt. Start to make some adjustments. God, you could be speaking, and you change your life. Words have the power to bring life. They have the power to heal. When people have hurt us, and they come to us and say, will you forgive me? or I recognize what I have done has caused great pain, and you say, um, yes, I will forgive you, and that transaction is done with integrity, those words have a power to liberate both parties and set them free. And probably the most difficult thing for any of us who have been in this room this morning who have gone through painful things, the most difficult thing is to actually say those words with integrity, I forgive you. Powerful, powerful words. Words have the power to destroy and they have the power to heal. So, firstly, words have great power. Secondly, words reveal where we really are at that you know, it's, it's a great indicator. If you want to kind of measure how you're doing in a day, just, just look at the words that you speak. Or over a period, look at the words that you have been speaking. Um, Brendan, what do you mean by that? You know, we often, in the, in, when we say words, and if people hey, say, hey, that really hurt me, we kind of say, hey, I didn't really mean that. Yeah? Or, you know, it was just me at a bad moment. Um, and really what we're saying is, generally, the words that we speak, you know, are good. And occasionally we just, occasionally we just, we just have a bad day, agreed. We just mean, we just nasty, we say things, you just, just a little bit of gossip, a little bit of judgment, a little bit of boastfulness, a little bit of self-defense. Yeah, it's just, I'm just having a bad day. It's not really who I am. And James would say, no, actually, it is who you are. This is what Jesus says. He says, Matthew 6, 43 to 45, and it will be on the screen. 
For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each true its tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from the thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the man speaks. Here's what Jesus is saying. When, when, you, when your words um, are harsh, unkind, negative, critical, judgmental, you're not having a bad day. That stuff is in your heart. Jesus is giving us an anatomy lesson and he's connecting your, your tongue to your heart. And he's saying that the reality is it's, it's not your tongue that you need to deal with and try and kind of say, okay, let me take control of my tongue and try really hard to master my tongue. He's saying actually it's a revelation or an indicator of what's really going on in your heart. It's not a sudden lapse, friends. It's because there's something going on in our heart. And you know, try as you might. If you have anger in your heart towards someone or something, it's always going to come out. It will come out at some stage under pressure. So here's an assignment for you. If you want to test what's happening in your heart for a week, just at the end of each day, um, and I've just been doing this recently, just either do a mental audit or a written audit depending on, on who you are. Just write down or reflect on these things, on the, on the words that you've spoken. In these, in these categories, number one is words of worship. In other words, how have you used your words in terms of your prayer or just language in adoration towards God, in terms of the way that you're speaking about God, in terms of the way that you are adoring, worshiping God, in just your everyday language. How's, how are you doing there? Secondly, words of encouragement. How, in terms of your interaction with people, just everyday interaction, how are you in terms of just finding something to encourage or speak life in there? Thirdly, harsh words. Every time you bring, use words to bring down or they mean or angry. Fourthly, boastful words where you just, you just make yourself look good in the story. Yeah? They're just a little bit boastful. And then fifthly, defensive words. When someone attacks you, you feel the need to defend yourself. So five categories, yeah? Um, I'll go through them again. Words of worship, words of encouragement, harsh words, boastful words and defensive words, and you do an audit. Uh, just because it reveals what's in your heart. And so, here's what James is saying. He's saying, um, there is a bit of a problem, and that is, he says, every community has these incredibly small but potent weapons, and it's called the tongue. And uh, he says they have the power to heal and they have the power to destroy. But he says, actually, the, the problem is you can't tame your tongue. He says, no man can tame their tongue. So no man would include you. And me. It's like, you, you try as you might, 
you are not going to get this thing. You're not going to be able to control this thing. This thing is wild. It's like trying to tame a tiger. You can get away with it for a day or two, but it's going to come out. It's going to get out of that cage because it's a lion. It's a tiger. So, if our tongue has the ability to cause harm in our family and in our community and work in a nation, how do we heal our tongue? Yeah? If we can't tame it, we need someone. <laughs> we, need, we need some help. Agreed. And uh, James doesn't really implicitly point us towards Jesus. But he is Jesus' brother. And he is using Jesus as, a, um, uh, as the template for everything that he is saying as the living testimony. And I just wonder what it must have been like to be, to be the brother of Jesus. I wonder what it must have been like to receive those words of life from Jesus. I wonder what, just, to, to, just to listen to how Jesus used words. So there's just a couple of things James wants to, to help us understand as we learn to heal our tongues. The first is, he says that if you're a saltwater pond, you, you can't produce fresh water. He says if you're like a fig tree, you can't produce grapes. I don't know if, that's if I'm getting exactly right, but you get the point. Um, he's saying there's certain things that are impossible to do. And, and really what he's trying to teach us is that if you're a believer, if, if, if you've put your hope in Jesus, he's saying your true identity is not when you have a bad day. He's saying it's just you're having a, a bad day. There's something in your heart. Deal with your heart, but it's not really who you are. You actually are a fresh water stream meant to produce fresh water. You're, it, it's not like, well, I'm just a terrible person. James says I'm hopeless. I'm never going to get over it. No. You're a Christ follower whose hearts are being slowly, little by little, changed. You're recognizing that your tongue has the ability for harm and for good, and when you use it for harm, it's just a recognition, hey, that's not really who I am, and I just need to confess and to just recognize, hey, God, what's happening in my heart? Then secondly, um, if your words are a true reflection upon your heart, then the way to healing is not to try and control your tongue, but to renew your heart. Would you agree? The way to, to transform our lives, the way that we speak to our wives and our children and people at work and people that irritate us and the way that we speak about our government and our nation needs a heart change. Have you, have you ever been with someone and they have the ability to make you feel amazing? When they're with you, they just naturally, not, I'm not talking about flattery, you know those people, they flatter you, but it, you, you can sense it. I'm just talking about genuine, authentic people. And um, they have the ability to make you think you can conquer the world. When they're with you, within a couple of minutes, they're, they're able to, to see something that's good about your characteristic, and they appreciate it and praise it. They say, what I love about you, Brendan, was when you do that. Do you know those type of people? And... Um, and when you're with them, you feel amazing, and um, uh, you wonder if they know the real you, because they, they're just able to speak life. They, 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 the way that they, they use words are so encouraging and so uplifting, and you love spending time with them. 
It's just a real gift that these people have. You'll often find they've got thousands of friends just because of that particular gift. You love being in their company because you feel so valued when you're with them. And so, well, how, how do we transform our hearts? I think the transformation, and I really want to say, I don't think this is a magic wand and we just kind of, okay, Brendan, I've got the formula, I've got it. I think this is a, a daily wrestle with our faith in terms of heart transformation. And that is, it's said about Jesus is that, he, you know, John said about him, he's the word of God. The word logos means something said. So Jesus comes to, to say something. His life is a a written story of what God really wants to say. Yeah, God wants to speak. He's a speaking God, and He wants to speak words over you. And He wants to speak words that transform your heart and therefore transform your tongue. And He says these words over Jesus. He says, "This is my Son." Whom I love, in him I'm well pleased. Three things. I love my boy. He belongs to me. He brings me pleasure. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Friends, the gospel is not information for you to choose or reject. It's affirmation of who you really are and how you mean to relate to God and others. Can I say that again? It's not information. Yes, I understand the gospel. I've got it. Yes, tick. It's not information, it's affirmation. And would you agree, we all need affirmation every day. Therefore, the gospel needs to account for us. We need to appropriately need to grab hold of it every single day and during the day. What do you mean by that, Brendan? Well, I think the, one of the greatest struggles as the part that I see in my life and in our lives is that ability to really live out each day knowing for certain that you are deeply loved and valued and appreciated and treasured and belong, not for who you are or how you're performing. You just go in the right place in the right time and you got the chair. It's crazy that the Father says to you, you my child, I love you, I'm pleased with you because of the work of the Son. It's, it's, it's too much for us. And so we're always trying to try and please the Father through our works. He, he brings you pleasure because you're his boy or you're his girl. And when that security, and I really mean security and joy, uh, it grabs hold and lays a foundation in your heart, I'm telling you it changes little by little the way that you speak. You see, friends, why do we feel the need to defend ourselves when people attack our character? Yeah. What kind of like, so quick, we're quick. No, I'm not like that. We, we're very quick to defend our character. Why? Because we're so consumed about how we think about ourselves and how other people think about us. And therefore, we feel the incredible need to defend ourselves. Imagine if you really understood how secure you are in the Father, that His love for you is eternal. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He loves you despite who you are. That doesn't mean we're not changing, that he kind of sweeps in under the carpet. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just talking about a security. Giant building blocks of the gospel laid in our heart. When that happens, 
here's what begins to happen, is that you feel less of a need to defend yourself. It's like, hey, you know. And you know what happens is that also you go, I think possibly you might be right what you say. I think there's a degree of truth in that. Why do you feel the need to judge? It's because there's some anger. You're angry with the person or the government. Or why do you feel the need to just, just have a little bit of a go? It's because there's some, there's some, some, something's gone wrong in your heart there. And the words of the Father have been drowned out by some anger in your heart. And so the transformation, friends, of our tongue starts with the transformation of our hearts. And it's a daily transformation. And the challenge I think James is really calling us to this morning is, is will you open up your heart and believe that you're accepted and valued and that you belong and that you are deeply, deeply loved with a lavish, extravagant love, both now and forevermore, and that nothing that you can do that can separate you from that love. And would you ask God to help you actually believe it? I don't just believe it mentally. I mean actually believe it that it changes your day. And then as you go into this week, uh, then you can start to practice your tongue. Then you can start to use it to practice, but it's not discipline as I must get this right. It's discipline from a changed heart. And I want to encourage you. The um, family of God, probably more than ever before, the people around you, uh, your children, your spouse, the people at work, the people who don't know God, boy, do they long for words that are tree of life. And... Uh, um, is there never a better time for you to just begin to practice and to call out the evidence of God's grace in people's lives? Even if a person is not a believer, they're made in the image of God, and there's something beautiful and something praiseworthy that you can find and that I can find. And uh, the um, transforming community, a church that becomes beautiful, is a church that little by little is learning to see that their harsh words have the power to destroy and are learning to be transformed in that area. But not only that, they're learning that their words are a tree of life and bring life to a community in this one and beyond. I'm done. Um, I, I, Colin, I want to suggest that... Um, uh, um, in, 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 this is a group and then you can decide to do something better if you want um, is in groups of two two you don't have to do this if you're visiting with us and you feel uncomfortable it's fine but just in groups of two answer two questions one was what impacted you from this morning what's one thing that impacted you just one thing and then two is is there any step of obedience that you need to take? Is there anything that you need to actually kind of put into action? Make it small. Don't make it this massive thing. Just a small little step. Um, and I think as we do that, um, we honor God. 
and then take a moment to pray for that person. Is that okay, or would you like to shape it differently? Because you can, I won't be offended. I'm feeling very secure at the moment. <laughs> You're okay with that. So just in groups of two, question number one, what's one thing that impacted you? Question number two, is there any step that you need to take and then pray for one another? And then Colin will call us in terms of closing in worship.